I don't mean to say that what happened wasn't traumatic. To end up where we did, in the middle of nowhere, completely cut off from the lives we left behind. That brings us to the real question, doesn't it? What was so great about the lives we left behind? Welcome to Into the Wilds, a podcast that will take you on a deep dive into the Amazon Prime show, The Wilds, created by Sarah Stryker. All the way from Melbourne, Australia, we are your hosts. I'm Belle. I'm Amanda. And I'm Brett. So grab a pack of Takis and join us as we get into the Wilds episode one. Just a disclaimer, um, we're doing this as an episode recap. However, we have seen every episode the entire season. Um, so there will be spoilers. So we hope that everyone's watched the season and just having um, fun discussing and listening to it. Um, so yeah, spoilers are in these episodes. We are stuck here. It's the 21st century. Okay, they will find us. My life is out there a million miles away. There was trauma. But being a teenage girl, that was the real living hell. So before we get really stuck into episode one and get super analytic with our discussions and our theories and predictions and things, it might be helpful to um, just give a bit of an overview of what led to us, you know, making the podcast. Pretty much as soon as we watched episode one, we were hooked. I actually remember we had um, a New Year's Eve dinner party that we had to Mm. go to. um, And that might be a bit strange for like listeners in other countries where restrictions with COVID and things are kind of rampant. It's It's a bit... Um, lessened right now in Melbourne, but we had a New Year's Eve dinner party that we had to go to or that we were invited to and we were considering cancelling on that to finish off the series. That's how hooked we were on it. And so when we finished season one, we were raving on about it to Brett and... No, you wouldn't stop talking about it, so... (laughs) And so, yeah, we thought... I watched episode one, I think it was. And Brett was hooked. And then I was hooked. Yeah, so I think after he watched episode one, we all decided we'd rewatch it together. And yeah, that was then, our second rewatch. Mm, and that was Brett's first, obviously. So after every episode, we would sort of just discuss theories and characters and relationships. And we thought, well, why don't we record our discussions mm. and try and do a podcast mm. and see what happens? Because we just would not stop talking about it. So. Here we are. Mm. And at one point we were that into it that Amanda even suggested us <laughs> writing like a year 12 style <laughs> English school essay about each of the characters and their resilience and their strength. And so that kind of naturally, yeah, led us to thinking, yeah. well, maybe we could discuss this on a podcast. Well, it just reminded <laughs> me of being back in high school and I guess writing um, essays in response to, to shows or movies or books. And we had been talking about so much like we had been talking in so much depth that I thought an essay would be fun but I mm. guess mm. Val and Brett did not think that would be fun. <laughs> didn't really want to write an essay. Yeah mm. I agree with that Brett. Mm. Um, but like you said kind of being back it reminded you of being back in high school and I think that kind of like highlights really like the importance of the show thinking from like a broader perspective you know in terms of our current social and cultural climate that we're living in you know if you think about having eight women as the main cast for a TV show, it's kind of not really done and it's so so refreshing to watch. Um, and not only women but young women in their, their teenage years. 
But what I really, really love about this show is that they're creating a space and really shining a light on the experience of women in this really kind of fragile and confusing time that is adolescence or even early adulthood, you know, like when we're a teenager, we're struggling and sort of Mm. grappling with things like figuring out who we are, you know, things like our self-doubt, our our self-worth, insecurities, and just like general confusion about life and where we might fit in, Mm. you know. And I love how so all the storylines were so relatable and there was nothing that was sort of, um, I guess, sugarcoating what Mm. we go through as teenagers or just adults. And I really like how there were bits of different characters that I related to because it was so authentic. Mm. And and I just love that young women or just, you know, women of all ages, like I'm in my, well, we're in our mid to late 20s and I can confidently say that I see parts of myself in each of the girls. Mm. Um, so I just really love that young women will be able to watch this show and, and yeah, see parts of themselves represented on screen in such a raw, honest and sort of authentic way that really hasn't been done. I found it sort of, yeah, 100% relatable growing up Mm. and feeling that way. But after what they had gone through, Mm. because it has three timelines, so before the island, Mm. when they are on the island, and then after the island when they're talking to the detective and the trauma specialist, I think um, Leah is talking about how being a normal uh, teenager in America is a living hell, Mm. even though after what they just they just went through Mm. which is pretty amazing yeah definitely uh it's yeah I I love that opening monologue and going back to even the three timelines that is just I think not until we re-watched it did I actually appreciate just how seamlessly Mm. um the show takes you back and forth between the timelines and it just wraps up the episode like everything that's going on in each timeline is so related to each other and it just Mm. does that really beautifully that's where I sort of got interested because it reminded me a lot of Lost. Mm. Um, there are a lot of similarities, of, of course, like a plane crash and then stranded on an island. Mm. Um, but even to the degree of like Lost went through the flashback and flash forward and it was Lost sort of got lost towards the end of the series. Mm. But that's what really not so much what you girls have picked up on, but more so that's what first attracted me, that it really reminded me of Lost and I mm. loved Lost. Growing mm. up, and that's a good point actually, because when I first heard about the show, Bella was the one who found it. Mm. I also thought it was more of a lost situation where these girls are just stranded on an island; they have to find their way out. But never did I think it was as intricate and and you know deep as as it mm. was. Mm. And I think that that's what the creators have done, or the creators and the writers have done so well, is that they've used stranded on a desert island as like the main storytelling device for the experiences of these girls mm. yeah um but maybe we get stuck into it yeah we get stuck into it. episode one so this is yeah as you said it for a pilot episode absolutely hooked all of us and it's centered on leah and i think leah's story is like essentially the first heartbreak that you ever go through mm. whether that be when you're an adolescent in your mid-20s whenever you experience that first heartbreak Mm. and I just think the yeah her story just depicts that so so well and especially because Leah did make a comment about 
it's just about wanting to, you know, love someone and be loved back. Mm. And when she thought she had that mm. and she she did whatever she mm. could, like lying about her age mm. to keep that, mm. it just shows sometimes how um, sometimes blinded we can be. Mm. And, of course, it's, of course, the story and each of the girls' stories in each episode is told from their perspective. So it's their experiences, their feelings, their opinions and their, their take on it. Um, but obviously, as observers, we can appreciate that whilst for Leah, she that was her like first love or that was something that was really a love that was important to her in her life. But I think obviously, as observers, we're not as blinded to that. Mm. Um, we're not as blinded to the fact that Jeffrey is somewhat questionable. Mm. You yeah, know? definitely. I agree. with. And I also think touching on that as well, Leah's parents referred to you know, her going on this um, trip as getting would help her to get out of her funk and Leah really didn't like that word funk. And it's also like calling it a funk is so invalidating. That's right. But I guess like in thinking about where we're at in terms of the episode, so it opens up and Leah is being interviewed. She looks dishevelled. Mm. It looks like she's just been saved. She's um, not cleaned up at all. She's not cleaned up. It flashes back to her getting cleaned up, but it seems like the interview that she's having now um, is the interview that she's having now with Faber and Agent Young um, has happened right when she's been saved. Mm. Um, and immediately they offer her um, some food and was it food and some drinks? Yeah, I think. Yeah, in in a in a bag yeah and um on the rewatch we were obviously our eyes were peeled and we noticed that the drink is the same drink that she's later drinking with jeffrey in the basketball court scene Mm. when they're talking about his book yeah and it actually does flash back to uh when leah says i used to drink that all the time it does flash back to jeffrey drinking it Mm. which automatically made me think how would they know that was her favourite or that was a drink that she always used to drink and it's sort of in the flashback and also when they showed her drinking it uh, in the bas- at the basketball court, she was with Jeffrey both times. So mm. there's something about that drink that is quite, uh, is quite linked to Jeffrey. So it, it's like almost it made me think, are they trying to trigger her or? Well, yeah, and also I think it points to the fact that yeah, I think they're definitely trying to trigger her. I think that would be something that Gretchen would do. Um, but I think it also points to the fact that they had eyes, potentially Gretchen or someone had eyes on Leah um, when she was in her relationship with Jeffrey. Like it goes mm. back to um, also this might be a spoiler if you're listening, but we assume that listeners have watched it. But it goes back to when Je- uh, in the first episode when Jeffrey says, um, that the birth certificate got sent to him. Mm. So throughout their relationship, really someone mm. has been aware of Someone's it. Someone's been, yeah, yeah, aware of both of them. Yeah. And or definitely, yeah, watching them, which makes me think what motive is there for some or Gretchen or, you know, to, to do that if, if that is the case. Mm. And I guess not like in, in the rewatch we can appreciate the whole the whole season and Leah's trajectory across the whole season and how by the end of episode 10 Leah is she's not even suspicious anymore she knows that there this is a setup that mm. something is is you know is really wrong about where they are and what's happened and that it's kind of been a setup or it's not what 
not it what everyone thinks it them. is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just what re-watching her interview with that in mind brings up a lot because, yeah, she's she's kind of always asking what have the others told you. She's kind of, we're, we're looking at Leah now differently in the rewatch because we know that she kind of knows that these two agents might not be who they say they are. Mm. So every time in the rewatch it flips back to Leah, I've always got in my mind mm. what message is she trying to send across to the agents because she's so suspicious. Mm. Mm. Good um, point. Yeah. But something that I loved was, um, yeah, Leah's opening monologue, as as we said, like she says, what was so fucking great about the lives we left behind? She says, I remember not being good enough, wanting to be more, the dark moods, the violent moods, the brutal social scene, trying to belong somewhere, ridiculous expectations and trying to be like uh, golden gods 24-7. And mm. I just think that summarises so well how we feel mm. <laughs> even in my mid-20s yeah. I feel like that yeah you know I all agree. these societal this... expectations so moving on um we're up to, we're up to kind of this scene where Leah wakes up on a piece of the airplane shrapnel or whatever she's kind of sobbing and screaming <laughs> and she is not shrapnel <laughs> sorry, sorry sorry piece of debris yeah. okay yeah so Leah wakes up on a piece of debris from obviously the crash plane there's no plane mm. Like mm. above water, so normally, like again, referring to like Lost or something like that, or just anything we've seen on movies, you'd normally see like a plane sinking or yeah, that's true. Good point. something like that. But this is just um, debris and some luggage sort of floating around. Mm. Um, so yeah, Leah's on, I think, like a piece of wing or something like that. Mm. And then we see we hear we, do we see Jeanette first or do we see the phone first? I think yeah, we see the phone the is phone. ringing in the suitcase. Yeah. Uh, do we see that first? Yeah. And Leah goes over yeah. and gets it out. I reckon, I thought we saw Jeanette first, then saw the phone. I can't remember, but mm. it was playing pink. Yeah, I don't remember what it. song it was. Yeah. So raise your glass if <laughs> yeah, you are that's wrong. the one. That one. Yeah. That's the song. I'm not a good singer, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> and. That's yeah. kind of like an anthem for people who feel like they, I guess, don't fit in fit or, in, you know, yeah. don't fit in yeah. society's box. Mm. And then, yeah, so then Leah goes and tries. The phone was in, in the suitcase, mm. which mm. was weird. Mm. Yeah, um, my first thought was why would someone leave a phone in a suitcase? Mm. Like and if you're Jeanette going on a plane, usually her... you take it with you. Yeah, and Jeanette did have her phone with on, her on yeah. the plane because she yeah. was yeah. talking to Nora about yeah. her playlist, I think. Yeah. yeah, she was, and her fo- and her dogs, Coco and Jack. Yes, exactly. So straight away I thought that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Mm. And then um, is that when we see it? We see the island then. Mm. So we see, I think, yeah, so we, but Leah gets the phone though, but she drops, drops it, it, doesn't yeah. she? Mm. Um, and then I think we, we see a little bit of the island and then we are taken back to like the first time we meet all of the girls mm. on the plane. Mm. So we kind of explain that we've got Tony and Martha who are best friends from Minnesota. Everyone's in pairs, I think, except for... Yeah, Jeanette. Yeah. Jeanette, yeah. Which is suspicious to begin with. Mm. Um, we got the Texans, Dot and Shelby. And I don't know about you guys, but throughout the series, I was constantly forgetting that Dot and Shelby mm. ever went to the same school or were from the same place. I think there was that. Me too. Yeah. It was one I, time when they like associated it and then had the little tiff. Mm. I guess the only time we remembered was that um, Dot knew Andrew, kind of Shelby's boyfriend. That was kind of the thing yeah. that reminded me. But other yeah, than me that, too, I kind of forgot. Dot was always making funny. Yeah 
well, I shouldn't say funny, but she was making comments about him. Mm. Well, Rachel and Rachel and Nora. We know that they are sisters, but um, they're from New York. And then we've got Fatten and Leah, who are from the same school. Um, but Leah was sort of distanced himself from everyone on the mm. plane. Remember, she didn't have yeah. the. Mm. So then, when when the was it the chocolate cake came out? Yes. Um, like you see Rachel like measuring on scales. Oh wait, Shelby goes on first. Doesn't Shelby do one of her games? Mm. Yeah, she uh, yes, do an icebreaker. Yeah. Yeah. So she, yeah, she says, um, "What's the icebreaker? What was the icebreaker?" Didn't I think Jeanette, said, Jeanette, Jeanette said, "Never have, have never have I ever." I think. Oh yeah. But then she said, "That's too full on for people that don't know each other." Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was to grab a partner and. Yeah. Um, can't be the person that you came with, obviously. And immediately what I noticed, like what you just said, Brett, was Leah was actually physically segregated from the rest of the girls. She mm. was the only one sitting at the back with was a she? seat not next to anyone else. So yeah. all the other girls had someone sitting next to them and she was right at the back. Really? Happy I didn't in her own that. little, you know. Was she little, happy though? Well, <laughs> not really happy, but in her, in her own bubble. little nook. Yes. Mm. So Shelby grabs immediately grabs Tony, which is interesting. Pulls her pulls Tony to Rachel, and then Shelby sits next to Martha. Hmm. And I find this interesting. So Shelby, we well obviously the first thing we notice about Shelby is how positive she is, how optimistic she is. And hmm. but what I find interesting with Shelby is that it almost seems like this. Even her just you know suggesting the icebreaker, it almost seems like she's keeping this pageant persona with her or she's yeah, totally putting on this face. That. Yeah. And I think it's really, really obvious the first time we meet her that this this Shelby that she's putting out to the world is just like her default mode mm. of um maybe who she is when she's doing pageants. Mm. You know? Putting on a bit of a front. A little bit. Yeah. Um and then I in my notes I highlighted Dot and Fadden because I think literally every interaction they have in this episode is hilarious. Yeah, it's so funny. Like is so funny. And um, I love how Dot straight away. I was, I was like, I love Dot because yeah, she is just not afraid <laughs> to speak her mind. Yeah. She's direct, yeah, but not direct. You know, not direct without being rude. And I just love how you know that first interaction with Dot asking Fadden about her t-shirt, and <laughs> I just thought it was there was just something about Dot that I loved straight away, and she became quickly became my favorite girl. Yeah. Yeah, um, on the on the island. And what did you guys think of Tony's story about um, pissing in her hand and throwing it in a girl for fouling her on the court? Yeah, I just didn't know how that works. <laughs> like that's what, that's the only how thing that interested that, yeah. me. Like coming from a sporting background, I understand the like the sentiment behind it, but like the practicality that doesn't really work. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that's well, true. Actually, did she like go? Yeah, like take it a, doesn't. Yeah, really she take a time out, go piss. And like, how would the pee stay in your hand? Like, it's true. a fair effort. Like, yeah. it kind of you just know made the tone me, is dedicated. Yeah, dedicated is one way to describe it. I kind of thought, well, clearly she's assertive, but she's also got anger issues. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, but she's also a not afraid to literally piss in her hand and throw it yeah. at someone. But b, she's also not afraid to tell people that she did that. So yeah, she's like, but she's proud of it. <laughs> she's definitely not afraid to be herself. Say exactly what's on her mind. Um. Nora, like incredible ability to pay attention. She oh, listened to amazing. everything Jeanette said, and, and and while listening to Jeanette, she did not look at her once. Mm. So she was looking at Rachel the whole time, mm. and it wasn't until um, Nora 
oh, sorry, it wasn't until Jeanette actually said, are you even listening to me, mm. that Nora then looked at her. So mm. for the whole time I was thinking Nora's not even listening to Jeanette. Yeah. And then Nora was able to retail everything and I thought well, that was pretty amazing because yeah. as you I know, didn't like, think she was listening either. Yeah, and we struggle with multitasking as mm. it is, so that was really impressive. Mm. Um, what about, I mean, Martha seems very passive, very reserved just in her first interaction with Shelby, mm. but I didn't think much other than that she seems like a really sweet girl. sweet girl yeah um i feel like martha if i was on the plane i would probably be drawn to martha the most yeah and in terms of if i was on there and wanting to make friends with someone it would probably mm. be martha yeah good good point i would want to be friends with dot I oh think. i definitely dot but i think knowing my personality because yeah. i'm more quieter and I seem to gravitate more towards that type of personality. I do love yeah. Dot, yeah. but I would probably be yeah. drawn to. And I, yeah. Where I'd be, I'd be here in the back, just like don't, don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Don't want to make that. friends with anyone. Yeah. No. 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 Just, yeah. yeah. Okay. And if we're imagining that we're on the plane with the when they show the plane crash, I think. Um, it was interesting because you see what everyone's true, that. Yeah. true instinctive response is when you think you're about to die. Mm. So, like, Nora was protecting herself, like, in the crash position. Dot was lighting up what I'm guessing was a blunt, I think. Mm. Yeah, that was <laughs> hilarious. Shelby was praying. Leah was reading her book, you know, reading Jeffrey's book. Fadden was just, like, losing it scared. And Tony runs to Martha. And, Sh yeah, Shelby was praying. Yeah, yeah. And Rachel was stuffing her face full of cake. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Rachel was eating, and I, I feel like I just loved it because it. Yeah, it's for some of them. I think it showed a real glimpse into who they are. Yeah. So where we get to the point where they've had the blackout, they're waking up on the island. Some girls are in the water. Some are on land. Most are on mm -hmm. land. I think it's just Leah, Jeanette, and Martha who are in the water. The blackout that they all experience is probably from that massive mm. piece of cake that they got. Mm. Delivered, mm. it looked like everyone ate it. We don't really know, though, or if it could have been like a sedative through the ventilation mm. system on the plane. Mm. I don't It'd know. It'd be interesting to see if Jeanette ate the cake. Um, and I think their first responses to waking up are interesting. What really struck out to me was Dot and Shelby's response. So Dot is like insanely calmer than all of the girls, especially mm. when she's talking to Fadden. She's like thinking really rationally and almost joking. Well, Fadden's freaking out, remember? But I feel like Fadden's response is totally oh, valid. I like be I'd like be the same. 100%. So I was really surprised by Dot's Dot's calmness. Dot's calmness. Like and, a mum. But even just her ability to like joke about it mm, is amazing. Something that like piqued my interest. So I was thinking, well, who would be joking about it at this point? Mm. But then also Shelby's response too, like the first thing we see of her is her distress or her concern over her cracked teeth or her cracked retainer. Mm. Um, and I think knowing Shelby's story as the season goes on, we know that what her teeth or that retainer represents to her and that's like her veil between mm. herself and the world or mm. that's her protection that she puts up to stop people from seeing herself. So I think what struck out to me on the rewatch was that she's nearly died. They're stranded on a desert island. She's in a life-threatening situation and her main or her only main concern mm. is that her her um, retainer has been cracked mm. so I think that just speaks to her fear of like she's in a life-threatening situation but her main concern is still trying to preserve the image that she presents yeah, to others 100%. so I found that really interesting mm. isn't this where I had my first prediction 
What was that your first prediction? Like one, when you see Shelby helping Martha with her ankle mm. and everything. Oh yeah. And um, you see Tony's response to mm. like when they're together. I think that was my first sort of yeah like prediction mm. that something could potentially happen. I I thought like I like I don't didn't know if it was between the three of them or. You mean like romantically? Yeah. I think there was definitely a connection established pretty early on between Martha and Shelby, and I also thought that. Yeah, well, I thought there was, like, going to be some sort of triangle between the three of them. Yeah, I interesting. Think. So I more saw, I more so thought, saw it, sorry, as Martha feeling like she was being really taken care of by Shelby and maybe she hadn't really experienced that in her friendship with Tony, but mm. then I don't want to this Tony because she's a good friend but I don't know there was something about Shelby there yeah yeah. and I think that was that scene was like um yeah that was overlaid with this this sentence by Leah that was so beautiful she said I think when you collide with a person you get this feeling that they might become important to you you know a look or an act of kindness and I love this last bit um because it definitely resonates or maybe you just what she says is maybe you just feel sorry, maybe you just like the way your world feels when they're in it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a good summary of when you first meet someone or you're dating someone or, yeah, you meet a friend, whoever, someone that's important to you, that is the exact feeling that you get. Um, and then so that, like Leah's little sentence there talking about how someone becomes important to you, we then get another look into her and Jeffrey's relationship. And they're in the car. something that I thought was so fascinating is that when they're in the car, Jeffrey is going through the CDs that Leah had and he picks one up and says that he loves Pink and mm. straight away there's a connection there with Pink from um, Jeanette's playlist. Yeah, And he, he says that what he loves about Pink is her anarchic quality mm. and Leah says um, that, you know, she responds that she's eternal. So I feel like we're seeing some real link or connection with Pink and I can't quite work out exactly mm. what it is just yet, but mm. I thought we've seen it with Jeanette. Mm. Um, we do see it later on uh, with the girls singing for Jeanette. Mm. But in what? this instance, yeah. for Jeffrey to pick up, like out of all the CDs yes. she had, he he purposely brought up Pink. Yeah. And even Leah has, says that, you know, she, she really loves her. So I thought that was quite mm. fascinating, even though I don't really know what it means just yet. Yeah, definitely. So there is a link between mm. Pink and Gretchen's kind of orchestration mm. of the island. Mm, definitely. And is Jeffrey potentially involved? I mean, that, yeah, we have yeah. no idea. I know. That is a theory. Yeah. Uh, but who knows? Yeah. I just think I don't really... Put, put a past Gretchen. Yeah, and oh well, yeah, and also I don't know about coincidences. I think it's yeah. a pretty big one if it mm-hmm. is just a coincidence. But I, I don't know. I just thought out of all the CDs he chose to bring mm. up Pink and and even Leah saying she's eternal and mm. Jeffrey with the anarchy quality. I don't know. There's just something about that that doesn't seem to me like it was just a coincidence. Mm, I guess we should really note that for season two mm. because is it possible, I mean, is it possible that Leah and Jeffrey's relationship was organic? Like, you know, it really did happen from the book, um, from, you know, Leah driving him, him home from the book, um, the book, book talk, yeah. yeah. 
Or, you know, if we're thinking one step ahead and this might be way too ahead, but what you're picking up on with the pink thing, like was this a setup by Gretchen? Mm. Or I don't know. But mm. I think what you're saying with, yeah, pink is interesting. Mm. And also what do we think of, of um, Jeffrey's book? So he kind of says that when he's at the reading about his book, he kind of mentions that a quote from the book was, you know, for something to finally happen to her, she was wanting something to add to the bland desert that was her life. And I just felt like Leah really connected with the the material material of Jeff's book because it just seemed to parallel her feelings about herself and her life at this point, that she's underwhelming, her life's underwhelming, that nothing special will ever happen to her. Mm. Um, and if yeah. you are right in saying that was he set up, was it set up, it's just oh, a yeah. massive coincidence again. We're back on the island and Jeanette's struggling and everyone knows CPR, which mm. is super weird, and Leah even raises that mm. in her interview that that was weird. Can we talk about Jeanette, how she had bruises when Leah found her on her stomach? Oh, no. Remember she had that massive bruising? The internal bleeding? Mm. Oh, yeah, she had that came from the... Like, we don't know what it was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which we then later found out where it came from. Yeah, later. I think in the second last episode or something. Yeah, Jeanette's episode. Yeah. So, yeah, they're still on the island. We're back to maybe we now we just spend a bit of time talking about Leah and Jeffrey's relationship. Yeah. Because I, as much as Jeffrey is a questionable character, I really loved the way that Leah described that feeling of mm. falling for someone. And, Brett, I'm interested, what is your opinion of Jeffrey, of Jeff? Um, Like you said, he's definitely, I think I said it, he had, like, creepo eyes. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's right, you did. Because, yeah, like, he's at a school doing a talk and everything. Mm. And even the fact that the teacher is, like, mm. I guess it's a little bit different in America because we can't drive until we're 18 here. Yeah. Mm. And, obviously, America is a lot different. Yeah. But, like, getting a student to drop someone off, it was, like, mm. yeah, it was sus in that. I guess that's common mm. to a degree. Yeah. And um, don't you also think it's a bit sus that, it wasn't just any student, but the teacher directly went to ask um, Leah's friend. Yeah, well, I think he was like the like the top student or something. Mm. Um, but yeah, like like we said, Jeffrey's obviously like questionable, mm. but in saying that, not to take the guy's side or anything like that, but he Leah did lie to him, mm. and I think it was she even said it was her birthday or something when we see them together. Mm, totally. And mm. I, I completely get what you're saying, that it was obviously wrong for Leah to lie to him. But if we take a further step back, it's like, what well, are you even doing involved? With yeah, why, yeah, don't put exactly. yourself in the situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Regardless yeah. of, like, nearly 18 or not. Yeah, true. I suppose, yeah, I just, I just really like the way they showed Leah's kind of heartbreak and devastation and just, yeah, the actress... Um, uh, Sarah Pigeon, I think, did an, in, an incredible job, job of just bringing that to life. Yeah. Shelby and Tony go look for food or water. I think they look for water first. Yeah, the so they go look, they go looking. And I think that's when Tony, like, things a branch in her face. Mm. Yeah. But, like, that, again, comes back to that triangle between yeah. Tony, mm. Shelby and Martha. And do you think, like, I know you were saying you were picking up on, like, romantic vibes with the triangle. 
But do you think a lot of it, what I was picking up on was that Tony was feeling like her relationship, her friendship with Martha was being threatened by Shelby because mm. Martha was like so yeah, interesting. Yeah. From the start, I never thought of it as a friendship. Yeah. It was more sort of like that forbidden sort of lust, I thought, for, between Tony and Martha. Yeah. And then Shelby was like intruding on that. So you feel so like I, I didn't really get those vibes at all. Yeah, I got like a sister vibe between Tony and Martha. No, yeah, straight away I was just like, obviously they're friends, but then I thought, okay, that I think Tony like has deep feelings for Martha. I just I just naturally thought that due to how she was acting mm. when Shelby sort of had a connection with mm. Martha straight away. Mm. I think it's so interesting that we have these different takes. Yeah, yeah. different perspectives. Yeah. But, like, it's even more interesting, like, after we know what we know now. Yeah. Mm. Um, but then, like, when they were doing the stockpile everything, it keeps being, the, like, Diet Coke as well. There's mm. all, like, Diet Cokes. Mm. So whether there's something in the Cokes or something mm. as well. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, I guess Nora does make the point that anything with sugar would sink. So I, if... Well, being Diet Coke, they want them to have some drink, something See, I don't to know survive. If that's on. actually true or not? Mm. Well, oh, Nora just sounds so convincing. She could say so, anything, yeah. and I'd be like, Nora yep. sounds, from I the get go, Nora sounds very knowledgeable. Smart. Yeah. yeah, I just thought because if they would want them to have the opportunity to have food or drink, well, not food, but drink mm. provided for them, mm. they're going to give them something that doesn't sink. Yeah. Yeah, but again, I don't know the validity of that. Well, maybe I'll I really Google it. Try. I'll, I'll try Google it. it. Does yeah. Does Coke sink? So the regular Coke sinks, but the Diet Coke doesn't, so it floats. So I'm telling you, they put the Diet Cokes there so that they, they knew the knew girls. Float. They yeah. knew it would float and they knew that the girls would have something to go off. Yeah, 100%. Because why wouldn't you just put it? Yeah, that's what I think anyway. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that makes sense. And so just another thing I wanted to say about Shelby and Tony and Martha as well. Um, is that when they are looking for water, um, Tony is, is literally anything that comes out of her mouth is just poking mm-hmm. Shelby and being like joking but ne- quite negative towards her. Yeah, there's um, definitely tension that's brewing. There's tension. There's so much tension that's brewing. But I think though from Tony's perspective, A, she's threatened by Shelby and her relationship with Martha, but she's also she's also formed this impression of Shelby before she's even spoken to her or got a chance to know her. Mm-hmm. And she summed Shelby up based on her looks, attitude and her religion as well. Mm. But then I think Tony is quite surprised when Shelby comes back to the group after she's hit her and says, um, I fell or no, I ran into a branch. So I think she realises that summing someone up on a first impression isn't always right. Mm. Mm. Dot finds Batten's suitcase with, and she like goes crazy because she wants her clothes and... Who knows what else is in that bag? It's like never ending that bag. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I think it's funny because Dot made the comment that, oh, of course, it's your suitcase, Fannin. So it's sort of like yeah. already oh, everything yeah, such a vibe. But okay. it's like, you know, well, out of everyone, it's going to be you who, you mm. know, looks good. You take, you sort of take pride in your appearance. Yeah. You have everything in your suitcase, you know. Yeah. I mean, like Dot and Fannin, I feel, are just the best. The ten, yeah, their relationship is pretty funny. Their relationship it? is so funny. Then we get up to the part where the girls found Dot's phone mm. and it wasn't working, so Nora had suggested putting it in sand. Mm. That's like 
putting it in rice that would help it work. Yeah. And when they did get it working, I found it really interesting that um, they sort of agreed to for everyone to call one person mm-hmm. and Dot and Tony really didn't have anyone to call. And that was I, really sad. I found it really sad. So sad. That Dot, it was her phone and yet she was like, well, whatever, mm. I don't have anyone to mm. call. Mm-hmm. And her face sort of throughout that scene was really, I don't know, numb in a way yeah. that all these people had someone to call. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I thought that was really sad. And then I think it's interesting how Nora snatched the phone off Rachel, mm. knowing what we know about Nora now, and then none of the calls were going through mm. after that. Like Nora was preventing like I don't know she could have clicked something yeah well I was trying to pay a special attention to that and I did notice once she did snatch the phone off Rachel she sort of hit the phone Mm. and she sort of bang like sort of bangs it against her hand Mm. and I don't know if that did anything because then Mm. you know nothing really went through Mm. after that okay yeah totally um and then so this is while this is going on Fadden kind of tries Fadden's phone call works and then as she says oh Mm. it's just died Mm. It, can, it, you know, parallels Leah saying Jeanette has died. Yeah, which was so sad because oh. at that point in time I really wanted to get to know Jeanette yeah. and the char- and her character. And then it's night time and there's a fire going. Mm. Um, Rachel, I couldn't, can't deal with this. Rachel's doing like the, the hardest exercises oh, that, that I can do. barely do. Yeah, like she didn't plank up the arms. That's like, it. Yeah. Like she did it your, so easily. Save your energy. Like, does she not know? She, she obviously doesn't know they're going to be stuck there. But I think it just speaks to Rachel's um, unrelenting mm. pressure that she puts on herself. But that was like, yeah, that was a lot. Mm. Then Shelby's doing an icebreaker. Never have I ever. But they did um, never have I ever because that's what Jeanette suggested on the plane. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. Mm. It's like a sentimental mm. thing, man. Yeah. To Jeanette, yeah. Oh. Remember, and yeah, remember they were singing. They sung Pink. Yeah, when they buried when her. When they buried her. Yeah, that's right. And also something interesting with that was that at the end, when um, Gretchen finds out that there's been a code X and mm. she's watching it sort of pans to all the screens mm. and um, they zoom in on the screen where the girls are sitting or standing around the circle singing pink. Mm. So, again, it's pink is this constant thing that's come through the whole episode. Mm. And I think what you're saying, Brett, and the, like with Shelby saying Never Have I Ever and Leah starting the song for pink is like a nice way for the girls to like, send Jeanette off mm. showing their respect to Jeanette mm. which um was sweet mm. um and then we're kind of the episode's nearly done so we're kind of um Fadden and Leah have a bit of a moment about Leah telling uh Fadden who she slept with and that it was Jeffrey and then Leah says a really interesting comment she says their relationship was like a burning building mm. but it was really really good that I got out yeah so we're starting to see that Leah's kind of reflecting on the relationship but also reflecting on not just from the rose-coloured glasses mm. view or the spell that you can get under in a relationship. She's kind of seeing the dark side mm. of it as well. Um, and then the interviewers kind of say uh, to Leah, we can be done for the day, doctors need you to rest, so we're back in the interview room. But what I found really interesting in knowing the show and knowing how suspicious Leah becomes you know, throughout their time on the island, um, it's like, why does Leah persist with telling more at this point? She kind of says, does she does she want them? She, she tells a story about how she found the phone that night and she called Jeffrey's number 
obviously because she remembers it off by heart. But by them saying we can cut, we can cut the interview, you can stop now. I'm just wondering why she persisted and why she went on to tell them that story. Like, does she want them? Does she want, you know, Faber and Agent Young to perceive her as like this weak, lovesick girl? Mm. Whilst in reality, she's actually sitting back in the quarantine room, like plotting an escape mm. or plotting all these things. Like, is she doing this to present herself a certain way? Or is she because I just think if she was really feeling that way, she doesn't trust them to begin with. So why would she be sharing her innermost feelings with them mm. anyway? But and could that also be linked yeah. maybe with why they gave her that orange drink? Mm, how so? Like if you're saying she's, if you're saying that she's trying to put, maybe portray herself as a pathetic, lovesick puppy, yeah. are they trying to get more <laughs> of that mm. out of her by yeah. giving her the orange drink yeah. to make her think, well, this might yeah you know. so she's just kind of playing into yeah, that yeah, playing into it that's totally yeah. maybe yeah. i don't know yeah mm. and then we get um yeah something to think about then gretchen arrives at the airport like you said amanda and they say codex and she's back at the hq watching them mm. kind of sing mm. well, that's where we like yeah. first time watching that's where you find out that it's yeah. set up it's not that's mm. the big, it's not a plane crash yeah True, and, that's the big reveal, isn't yeah. it? And this is where we get told that there is another operative who's still yes. intact on the island and yes. we all started having our theories as to who this person was, yeah. who the girl was. So for um, me, I immediately thought Dot because I just thought she was way too calm, like talking fat and down, joking with fat and I was like, it has to be Dot and she seems like <laughs> eager to like take on yeah. all this stuff. But, yeah, I thought it was Shelby because she was just so positive and I really – struggled to see how anyone could be that positive in a situation where you think, you know, this might be the place that you die. Mm. Mm. I thought Shelby as well, but then I sort of trained my brain to not think Shelby mm. because it was too obvious in the end, mm. I think. Like it just felt like leading us one way and then it would be like, oh, yeah, okay. Mm. But um, I think I also said Nora and then. Yeah. Later on though. Not too much later on. Yeah, but in the first ep, you were thinking Shelby. Shelby and, yeah, so Shelby and Nora were on my list at the start. Mm. And I think, though, Shelby's positivity, like you guys are saying, that means she's the operative. I think later we realised that that was really just 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 really just yeah. covering up how she feels. She just can't be herself. Yeah. But I get what you're saying. It looks like that at episode one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that brings us to the end of our first Into the Wilds podcast. Thank you. If you've made it to the end of this podcast, thank you so much for listening and joining in with us. We're going to do similar podcasts like this for every episode. Um, We would love to hear your feedback, though, if you are a listener. Let us know what you think and like and subscribe um, to the the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on. But, yeah, we hope you enjoyed and we'll be back for episode two in no time. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.